Are you in need of daily encouragement or want to learn more about First Baptist Belton? Visit our website at www.fbcbelton.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Follow and like today. Thanks for listening to today's message. Thank you, Brother Gary, choir, organist, pianist. Thank you uh, so very, very much. Orchestra, what what a grand morning and what incredible songs of faith. A minute ago, we were singing, Oh, Worship the King. Um, and I know that you think about the words as you sing them, don't you? Okay. Sometimes we think about the words when we sing them. I hope we were thinking about this one this morning. The last stanza, Oh, Worship the King, Frail children of dust and feeble is frail. That's us. <laughs> That's us. In thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Do we believe that or were we just mouthing words? I believe we mean it. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. And he is all of that to us. Thank you for singing so beautifully this morning. Let me ask you to bow your heads with me for uh, prayer. As you're bowing to pray, our last mission team of the summer is returning home today, our Panama team. So please be praying for a safe journey for them, and we anticipate with eagerness hearing all that God has done while they've been there. And so, Father, we do pray now for our sweet and precious team that I know you used for your name's honor and glory in Panama this week. I've already heard of, of many, many coming to faith in Christ, and I'm so thankful to hear of that and just pray for rest on the plane and a safe journey home. And we look forward with anticipation hearing what you have done uh, in and through this team. And Father... We acknowledge your greatness today and we acknowledge your faithfulness. You are indeed a faithful God. We thank you. We adore you. We worship you and pray that you will speak to our hearts as only you can do this morning. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Would you open your Bibles please to Joshua the third chapter, the book of Joshua the third chapter. Swim season is just coming toward a close, although with the temperatures, we may still be able to swim on Halloween. But theoretically, at least, swim season is coming to an end. So today, I want to ask you to put your feet in the water. Put your feet in the water. Today, we're going to interrupt the current series, as I announced last week, and spend a few minutes thinking about faithful God, faithful future, and our transition to the hilltop. We need an update, and I'm going to give that to you this morning. So this is unusual, but it is needed. For those who have come into our family, the church family, within the last year, or those who are our guests today, I wish that I had time to take a, a chunk of this message and tell you how we got to where we are. I, I really can't do that. Just to say that we were struggling to find how we could grow and expand and build and remodel and do what we needed to do here. And we kept running into one obstacle after another. And then the University of Mary Hardin-Baylor 
our great precious friends at Mary Harden Baylor reached out and said, we would like to make a proposal to you. And that proposal is that we take the property at First Baptist Belton and throw in some money in exchange for giving to you 36 acres at the corner of Loop 121 and Martin Luther King, just one mile from where I'm standing right now, in what I believe is the most beautiful block of land in all of Bell County. Absolutely incredible. And so the church voted overwhelmingly to enter into that agreement with the University of Mary Hardin Baylor. And uh, the university gave us 10 years, which is now down to nine, to make that transition. And as we've looked at it, we've concluded that we need to do this in two phases with phase one being Sunday on the hilltop. So that will be Sunday school space and worship space on the hilltop. Other buildings to follow in a phase two, a family life center, a fellowship hall, kitchen, more Sunday school space. So that will be phase two. Phase one will cost $32 million. We hope it will be less now that we are getting to the nitty gritty and our representatives and the builders are working together. We believe that figure will come down. But for now, it is $32 million, and we began to receive pledges toward that and gifts toward the hilltop earlier this year, and I will share where we are on that in a few moments. So now we're going to read the Scripture, and I want to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Listen carefully, follow carefully, read carefully Joshua chapter 3, and here's what it says beginning with verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, that's the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Since uh, then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. That's a 1,000 yards, 10 football fields between the ark and the people as they made their way toward the river. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. I want you to think about that for a moment. When you come to the edge of the river, go and stand in the river. Oh, by the way, as we'll read in a moment, the river is at flood stage. Now the people are a thousand yards in back of the priest, but the priests are standing there looking at the flooded river and God says, go stand in the middle of it. All right. Think about it. 
Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, and as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now, if I'm one of the priests, I'm thinking, really? (laughs) I'm counting on that. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. It's kind of a matter-of-fact statement. The people just crossed over. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on Dry ground. How nice of the Lord to do that. He parts the waters and then dries the ground. We have an amazing God. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing of the ground. Now a few more verses, chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you will stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Now, three more verses. Look at verse 18. And the priests came up out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the the very presence of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. Now go down to verse 21. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. You may be seated. Now, I want, I, want to, I want you to think about this passage for a moment. And, and first of all, I want us to notice this. We have never done this. We have never done this. Verse 4 of chapter 3. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. This church has moved previously twice in its history. 
the last time being 1948, after the church of that day burned, a complete loss, the church moved to this current location. Those who led are now with Jesus. There are only a few people remaining in the church who can even remember that. And most of those who led it, all of those who led it, are now with Jesus. So for us, we have never done this before. We've looked at other churches who have moved. We've sought counsel and advice. But we have found ourselves right where we need to be. And that is to be totally dependent on Jesus because we have no experience in doing anything like this. I think that's where God wants us to be. I have been your pastor through the building of three buildings and numerous remodelings in over 30 years, but I can assure you none of them, none of them can even begin to compare with the immensity of what we are looking at right now. So we are right where we need to be, and that is we're depending on Jesus. Second thing that I want us to notice is this. We are called to purity. If you look at verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Last week we talked about purity versus sexual immorality. Here in this text, there is a call for the people to consecrate themselves, to pray, to purify their hearts. From day one, we've been saying, pray, 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 pray. And precious Jeanette Kelly is leading a prayer team that prays every day about what we're doing. And I hope that you are joining with them in prayer. We're called a purity as a lifestyle and as a witness. We can't dare undertake something like this without prayer. And understand we are being watched by our community every day, always, before there was a hilltop, we are being watched. But in Faithful God, Faithful Future, we are definitely being watched. Every week, I'm stopped at HEB or Walmart or or at, at the gym or wherever I am, I'm stopped and people say, People who aren't part of our church, some of them I don't even know, but they know who I am. And they say, how's it coming? Have you broken ground yet? I I get asked that question a lot. No, not yet. We are being watched. The community is watching our response to faithful God, faithful future. I want you to keep that in mind. That is important. Now, here's the third thing. We are called to do the impossible. We are called to do the impossible. Israel was told by God, do the impossible. Cross the Jordan River at flood stage. And human response would be, it cannot be done. How can God ask us to do such a thing? It looks suicidal for the priests. I guess for the rest of the folks, they're a thousand yards back. And if the priest gets swept away, they can say, "Woo! I'm glad I wasn't a priest. This looks suicidal. Common sense says 
Wait. Wait for what? Well, it's not prudent. It's unwise to try to cross a river at flood stage. Church family, I want you to know something that if this is the only thing you remember out of this message today, then I hope you'll remember this. Common sense does not equal God's will. Sometimes the two do coincide, but often common sense does not equal God's will. If it always equaled God's will, we wouldn't need faith. But we need faith. Common sense does not equal God's will. And if we choose to always follow common sense, then we can count on this. We will miss out on what God wanted to do in our lives. So it's our choice. Now, I want to quote from my sermon, Faithful God, Faithful Future, from April 22nd, 2018. And here's the quote. Humanly speaking, what I'm about to describe cannot be done. But we love and worship a great God, and if we know his leading and follow his leading, he will accomplish what he desires, and when it is done, we will know that God did it for his glory. End of quote. Nothing has changed. That statement still stands true. It is still impossible for us to do what God has presented in front of us to do. It is contrary to common sense to think that a church in Belton, Texas could raise $32 million and move to a completely new location. But I will say it again, and I will say it till the Lord takes me home. Common sense does not equal the will of God. And if you want to live your life based on common sense, go right ahead. You will never know till you see Jesus all the blessings that you missed out on that could have been yours. Now, number four, we watch as God does what only he can do. This is really the fun part. We watch as God does what only he can do. Israel, by faith, through their priests, moved out. They obeyed God. The priests put their feet under the edge of the water, the flooded river, and then God did what only he could do. He rolled back the river And in addition to that, dried out the riverbed and Israel crossed it into the promised land on dry ground. I'd love to have seen it. I'd maybe I've told you many times instant replay in heaven. I don't know. I want somewhere in the billions of years that we're there. I want to see this. I want to look at the faces of the Israelites as they're standing there and they watch the river roll back. I'm going to. You know what? You know it did. God said, here's what I'm going to do. But they'd never seen anything like that before. They couldn't begin to fathom it. And then God did exactly what he said he was going to do. Here we are. We can do this. But not because we can do this. But because God can do this. But, church, we have to put our feet in the water. We have to put our feet in the water. Now, here's the fifth thing. We are humbled as God receives the glory. We are humbled as God receives the glory. Israel knew as they were walking on the dry riverbed, Israel knew Joshua didn't do this. The priest didn't do this. 
The tribal leaders didn't do this. We collectively as a people didn't do this. God did it. And all the glory goes to him. When God takes us to the hilltop, and I'm excited about how he's going to do it because I don't know how he's going to do it. But when God takes us to the hilltop, no one can say, Andy Davis did this. The elders did this. The staff did this. The steering team did this. The property management team did this. The deacons did this. All of us together did this. No, God did it or will do it and God will get the glory. Now, here's the sixth thing. We celebrate and remember till the end of our days. We celebrate and remember to the end of our days. Israel, God said, take 12 stones, set them up as an altar, a place of worship, and then celebrate. Chapter 4, verse 7, the last part of the verse. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Why? So that they would remember. We're forgetful. We're forgetful. We forget God does great things. We we forget it. And Israel's forgetful. So God says, I don't want you to forget. Set up a memorial, those 12 stones from the bed of the river. And then don't ever forget what I've done. The last part, the last verse of chapter 4, verse 24. He did this. Who's he? God. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful And so that you might always fear the Lord, your God. Now, lastly, we teach the generations who follow. We teach the generations who follow. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a great God. We teach that so that when our children say, how, Daddy, how, Mommy, did all this happen? Then we can tell them God did it. This is so important for the generations to come, the ones coming after us. So what we are doing in going to the hilltop is important, especially for the 30-somethings and the 20-somethings and and the children and the teenagers and those who have yet to come to Belton and those who have yet to come to Central Texas and those who haven't even been born. It's so important to them. God will provide a place of ministry, spiritual growth, evangelism, discipleship, and a mission's headquarters for all that he has for us to do in the days to come. Now, I want to ask that the lights be lowered. I want you to look at the screen. We're going to look at a video. And this is a video of the way things are going to look. We anticipate. This is the main entry into the new church. You see a very large, very, very large entryway into the main foyer. Children's area is to the right. Here's another look. You'll see the large bell tower. The cross beam right there is 55 feet high. And the bells will play. This is an approach from the parking lot toward the main foyer. And these, this is covered parking where you can let people off right there under the cover. The, those, that's glass, not open spaces.
cross. The cross beam is 75 feet in the air, and so the top of the cross is some much, somewhat higher than that. We've had a drone fly there, and you will be able to see the cross from miles. Of course, that's the worship center. This is the choir room that backs in back of the worship center. The administrative space is right there. Close-in parking for those who need it. This is the entry from the back, the back porch. There's another cross. The right side is the adult area. The left side, children's area. There's the burnt offering place right there. The back porch, the youth and children, uh, rather the uh, youth and college in this building. So playing the piano, by the way. Now we take a look inside at the worship center. Note the big cross. So we have numerous crosses inside and outside the building. A very large platform, significantly larger than this one. Movable chairs rather than fixed pews, making the building much more versatile. in the back for the upper part of the worship center. Additional windows have been placed inside to catch the natural light. This is a view from the theater seating. view to me of what that's going to look like um, is going to be breathtaking and, and I'm so excited about what God is is going to do we'll have uh, much more parking than we currently have a lot more up close parking for mobility challenge the building will be totally accessible for those who uh, have challenges in accessibility unlike the current building where we have numerous, numerous, unfixable, irreparable accessibility issues. I want you to look at the floor plan for a moment. You'll see the worship center right there. 
The worship center here seats 934, and the worship center in the new place will seat 1,200. We will continue to have two services, which would allow us uh, to have up to 532 more people in worship than we can hold here. In the adult area, right there, if you can lower the lights and just leave them down, please. In the adult area, right there, we currently are averaging about 600 adults in Sunday school. Our new area will be able to hold 1,239, and they'll all be there, not our largest department meeting on the university campus. In our youth area and college area, which is right there, uh, they will increase the seating 55%, and their square footage will go to from 2,500 to an excess of 4,000 square feet. The children's area, this whole area right here and up here, the children's area will increase by 35%, but it will also have what we don't want to forget is a 225-seat children's auditorium right there and a large indoor playground right there. So the four-year space, the lobby space for children, will go from the current 916 square feet to 2,207 square feet. Our spiritual needs ministry currently has three rooms in this building that were designed for adults or children. We will have in the new location four rooms, which will be right here, and they will be designed with special needs students in mind. It will be designed for them, not as designed for adults or not designed for other youth or children, but designed for special needs. The main foyer, which is right here, the main foyer of this church back here, 1,210 feet. The new foyer will have 8,380 feet. will be an enormous gathering place with a coffee, food, place right there, welcome center right here. And instead of us gathering in 25 different locations on Sunday morning when we come in to visit and fellowship before going to our classes, we will all be able to gather right in, to gather together right in this space. And it will be a sweet, sweet time. Thank you. You can, uh, well, leave the lights down. That, that's fine. I'll, so where are we in, in, in money? Um, This whole thing is a spiritual issue, what we do or don't do. It's a spiritual issue. The cost, $32 million. We think it's going to go down. We have pledged or given so far about almost $11.1 million, and that is incredible. We have never as a church even approached such a figure in pledging in the past. Now, is $32 million doable? I believe that it is. I believe with all my heart that it is that not only can we pledge 32 million, but we can pledge in excess of 32 million and still make our budget every year. Now, I want to show you just a chart of suggestions. This is just suggestion to show you the doability of this. You'll notice some amounts of money weeks for five years by a number of families. So for instance, if 150 families would give $50 a week, That in itself would raise almost $2 million. If a hundred families would give a hundred dollars a week, that would be 2.6 million. If 75 families could give 150 a week, that would be almost 3 million. 
If 75 families could give 200 a week, that would be almost 4 million. And then if 25 families could give 500 a week, that would be in excess of 3 million. And if 10 families could give $1,000 a week, that's 2.6 million, bringing us to 17.225 million. Next slide. We've already pledged 11. That would bring us to 28,225,000. And currently, per month, we are receiving $30,000 a month from people who have at least so far elected not to pledge. If that trend continued and, and stayed level for five years, that would be another $1.8,000,000. And look where we are. $30 million in excess of $30 million. So when I say it's doable and you think of $32 million, it staggers the mind. It makes your head swim. But when you break it down in chunks and you look at it realistically, it is, it is doable. It is doable. But it is going under the leadership of the Lord to require all of us to prayerfully consider what God would have us to do. Now, some, many have not pledged yet. More have not pledged than have pledged. And for some, it's a matter of indebtedness. For some, it's a matter of doubt. For some, it's just you hadn't gotten around to it yet. So I'm asking you to prayerfully consider and let's, let's get this done. We don't want any debt. If we could move in debt free, wouldn't that be awesome? That would be our desire. But even if we pledge $32 million today, it's all not going to come in today. So we're going to have to borrow some interim money to get the building built. And that's why we ask for pledges, because the lending institutions have said, we'll lend you money only on the basis of what is pledged. That's why we're asking for the pledges and for the goals. Now, many of you have already pledged, and thank you. Repray. Make sure that you have given sacrificially. I know I'm your pastor. Staff and elders were asked to pledge early. We did. We quickly discussed it, came up with a figure that we thought was, hey, this is good, and turned in a pledge card. And in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, I'm approaching retirement. This will be fine. We can do this. Well, God convicted us that it needed to be more than, oh, we can do this. This is easy. This won't stretch us. So we resubmitted another pledge. Now I'm looking at that saying, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know if we can do this. But we're trusting God to provide. That's what I'm asking everyone to do is to consider sacrificial offerings and pledges. Because I have a feeling if we all just do what's in our comfort level, we're going to fall far short. So we're talking about sacrificial pledging and sacrificial giving. We need $25 million to break ground, 25 million in pledges to break ground. We have, we hope to break ground in the early part of 2020. That's only half a year away. So obviously we've got a way to go. At the end of the year, we'll evaluate, see where the pledges are and then make our decisions based on that. But I ask you not to wait or to ponder or think about it until next year. I ask you to pray and do what God would have you to do now. There's a table in the foyer. Pledge cards are there. Representatives of the steering team will be there to answer questions or to simply give you a card if you need a new one or you don't have one still at home. You're invited to go to the land. 
there is a prayer trail that is not quite finished yet. It's a little bigger undertaking than we anticipated. It will be completed this week. You're welcome to go out there now or wait a few more days till the prayer trail is finished. There are signs that you'll see that show you where everything's going to be. It is amazing, and you'll be amazed at the immensity of what what you see in the placement of the land. You're also encouraged to have Sunday school parties out there, tailgate parties before Mary and Baylor football games or before Belton football games. We're going to put trash barrels out there this week. So go and have a, have a tailgate party and uh, in, enjoy it. Now, I want to announce the date for our first worship on the hilltop. And you're thinking, well, wait a minute, we haven't even started building yet. That's okay. We're going to have our first worship service October 27th. We will not meet here October 27th. We will meet there. There are details to come on parking and all that. We will have lunch. We have a big tent reserved. We're going to have fun. It's going to be a great day, and we'll get all the details to you over the next few weeks. But our first worship service on the hilltop, October 27th. Pray for a beautiful day, okay? We think it'll be cool enough by then to make it tolerable, but not yet cold. Now, we're a family. We voted to do this, so let's do it. Pray, ask God what you should do. He will let you know. Let's move forward. Let's get in on what God is doing. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Put your feet in the water. And God will take care of everything to God be the glory. I want you to meet the steering team before we have an invitation. So steering team, if you'll come on forward. These are the folks who are meeting and talking and praying on your behalf and and making very important decisions. So I'm going to ask all the steering team to line up here at the front. And uh, while they're on the way, we're going to have some focus groups that we'll be meeting and discussing details about the building, the building's interior and look. If you would like to be on a focus team, here's your instructions. Email Vicki in my office or call her and let her know that you want to be on a focus team. Do that this week because we will not ask again. We will be enlisting people, but if you want to be on a focus team, let us know this week. Okay? Now let me uh, let me call the names of, of the uh, folk of the uh, steering team. Rick Akins, if you'll raise your hand so folks can see you. Uh, Dawn Bass, Gary Bledsoe, Jeff Bird, Glenn Cosper, Terry Covington, Joe Cox, Wallace Davis, uh, Landon Depew. Mark Fitzwater, Justin Gadisek, Trey Galloway, I don't see Trey this morning, uh, Matt Hollingsworth, uh, he's back, he's got a man at the table back there, Carl Hudson, Bobby Johnson, Jeanette Kelly, Melanie McCarthy, I don't see Melanie this morning, Mac Parker, Sarah Skaggs, Larry Thompson, Karen Vassar, in addition to that, um, I'm on there. Craig Pearson and Randy Anderson, they're out of town today. And I want to thank Jerry Balkum for serving on the steering team before he moved to San Marcos. He was an invaluable asset. Um, steering team, stay there. We want to pray for you. And then the invitation, an opportunity for you to give your heart to Jesus. Whatever God's saying to you, this will be a time to respond. I'll be standing right here at the front. Pastor, come and place your hand in mine. Pastor, I need Jesus and a member of our staff will be here to help you. Father, 
bless this steering team. They are busy people and they have accepted this responsibility in addition to all the other things that they are doing. Bless them, Father, with wisdom from above. Bless our focus teams as we form them. And bless us, Father, as a church. May we put our feet in the water and to God be the glory. May someone come to know you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Steering team, thank you. You come as we stand and as we sing. First Baptist Belton is relocating. To learn more, to give, and to stay up to date on the progress, visit www.faithfulfuture.net.